1: now I can't this is like you know trying to read the back of the taco seasoning packet like I can't <laughs> see what I, re- I can't see what I wrote so I, I swapped out a bulb quick while I was waiting I got an LED in there so I am all good to go but now that I can read uh, we'll go ahead and get started welcome back listeners to the South end zone uh, I'm Eric Jason in a rare turn of events is not with me tonight. He's got uh, some other stuff going on. His real life job, uh, he's stuck in Ohio and he is probably uh, just not having a good time, but the money is not going to make itself. So if you're listening and you're worried that you're going to hear me talking to myself for an hour, fret not because instead of Jason, we've got a special guest on who, honestly, he's probably going to do most of the talking. So uh, please join me in welcoming Coach Adam Goggins from Alabama A&M. Coach, how's it going?
2: Uh, hey, it is going well. Uh, glad you guys uh, were able to to get me on, um, Listen to a couple podcasts. You know, I've heard uh, Jason primarily through, you know, Twitter, where I first kind of ran into him. So yep. um kind of started becoming a little fan, uh, killing some, some dead time in that office, you know, killing a couple co- podcasts there. So
1: yeah, well, I, th- I would imagine between the office and maybe the road, uh, depending on how you guys approach that, which we'll get into in a minute. But yeah. Uh, so, just to kind of give our listeners a little bit of background, so you're the defensive end coach at Alabama A&M, so that's an HBCU. Uh, you guys are at the FCS level. You're in the SWAC, right? Uh, yes. Sir. A&M is in Normal, Alabama, which I believe that's just basically Huntsville, right? If you say Huntsville, it's all the same to me
2: and okay.
1: people. Well, I just I, th- I think a lot of people might be more familiar with Huntsville than. Normal. What's what's that? Um,
2: so you're originally from the Sacramento area. Um, I grew up in uh, Pine Grove, California, just east of Sacramento, the Stockton area, uh, kind of getting down in the Central Valley, uh, that that way of of California.
1: Okay, and I I have a fun fact. I really wish Jason was here because he would get a kick out of this one. Um, so at I guess it was just Pine Grove High School or whatever your high school was named uh, in there, Pine Grove, California. In addition to playing football, you also played baseball. And yes. you were a yes. uh, second-team all-conference first baseman three times.
2: <laughs> second team. And
1: yes. Yeah. So, and, and listeners might be kind of rolling their eyes, but, okay, great, second-team all-conference. Well, there's a little context I think we need to address with that, right? Because the guy who was first-team all three of those years, uh, he he's done well for himself, right? Real
2: well, real well. Uh, some I mean, people may or may not know him. I don't know if you want to give it away yeah.
1: well i mean since he was named all conference first baseman first team three different times uh, since then just right off the top of my head he's been to a couple of all-star games he was the mm-hmm. 2017 american league rookie of the year and this past mm-hmm. season uh set the american league record for home runs and won mvp and his name is aaron judge he also made a yeah. boatload of money so well
2: Bo- boatload. i'm i'm extremely happy to have uh been where I'm, you know be where i'm from i'm as uh, and i couldn't be happier to lose something to somebody like that you know that's uh that's that's something that's just cool for me to to, to yeah. Talk I mean about. that's yeah that's grandkids story material, right? Right. You know, I still love the game of baseball. I watch it. You know, I can't wait for spring training to start and some of those other things to start going, so I can start getting back into it. But um, you know, my my real love is really love and passion is football. So. My first job was actually at Montana Tech in good old Butte, Montana. So Montana Tech was your first job, and then it looks like you've been a
1: handful of other places, like a lot of coaches, right? It's one of those business, especially when you're kind of first getting into it. Right. You typically don't just... Find a job and stay at that spot for fifteen years, right? So, mm-hmm. a handful of, of schools, a couple NAIA, uh, Franklin Pierce in New Hampshire, which I think is a Division Two, right?
2: Correct. So, so I was there with um, with a couple different uh, coaches that are you know actually pretty familiar with the the HBC world. Uh, one is actually going down at Tuskegee, which we actually play this year, so that'll be awesome. Yeah. So,
1: and correct me if I am wrong. This is your actually your second go around at Alabama A and M.
2: Yes. Yes. So so uh, it looks like you did two years there
1: as a grad assistant. So like 2019, and then the 2020 season, which was in the spring of 21. mm -hmm. and then uh, you had a stop at Holmes Community College in Mississippi. So you got a little, uh, a little bit of the JUCO. Oh God, that's doing the Lord's work there, coaching JUCO football. That is
2: that's tough. It it, can be a tough. It can can be tough.
1: Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you. A lot of listeners may not understand this, but JUCO football in Mississippi is that is not for the meek. No, that that is a tough, tough league. It
2: it is a it is a it is a very tough league, and it is a different different type of animal. And so, um, you know, if there's anything I could say from from the from a fan standpoint, you know, you're dealing and we're dealing with you know sometimes 17, but 17, 18, 19. You know, at the junior college level, you're really not getting anybody older than like 19 hopefully but you're getting you're getting a 17 18 19 year old young man that that's trying to go you know change his life through education through athletics whatever it might be you know and like I said I, I want to be somebody that can help provide and be that stepping stone to get to where they want to be and so um you know for me that's that's what I want to you know be able to provide
1: yeah, I, I actually have a kid playing juco ball in Kansas, and it's he's in the Jayhawk Conference there, which is very similar probably to how, how it's treated in Mississippi with some of those places, uh, you know, East Mississippi Community College. I know a lot of people might know from from the TV show, but mm-hmm. so um, the, the two kind of big things we wanted to talk to you about and kind of get your perspective on as a college coach is uh, we talk a A lot on here about recruiting and a lot of college football fans kind of not recently but in the last handful of years uh recruiting has kind of taken a little more of a front seat as far as people paying attention to it uh paying attention to it and and really just following it. And a lot of fans probably understand that, hey, you know, recruiting is sort of the lifeblood of my team. And the better my team does in the recruiting rankings every year, the more likely they are to win games going forward. But not a lot of them probably understand kind of the process of it and how it happens and how everything kind of how that sausage gets made. So they just sort of see the end product, right? Um, Mm -hmm. and that's kind of what we kind of wanted to get your perspective on. So as far as the recruiting process, so like a lot of colleges, the coaches on staff may be responsible for a certain geographical area, for instance. So I think you have a lot, some places in like Tennessee and Northern Alabama, right? So my first question with that would be, where does, where do you transition from kind of your area versus your position group?
2: Recruiting in, in present day is different than whenever I first started in 2016. Um, there was no transfer portal. There was no NIL. There was, you know, none of that. Some of that stuff was building and I can, you know, hindsight's 2020. So I can see where things were going back then as I look back. But what I would say now is, and parents, student athletes, and really for the fans, you got to treat this as a business because that's what it has become. I work for a great head coach here at AM and and his his big thing is if you want to prepare yourself for the NFL, you got to act like you're in the NFL already. And so you, that means you got to take care of the things that you have to do. So you get to the NFL and you're making millions of dollars. Are you just going to go blow thousand dollar meals here and there? Because your money's going to end pretty quickly. You know, you get it, you get to the NFL, you have a family, you have wife, kids, whatever it might be. If your wife needs to go here and you got a, a, a baby, you know, on the way or whatever it might be, you have to be able to, take what you have, put forth the effort to take care of your family and take care of your job. Because if you lose your job, obviously, we all know that income ends. So, you know, to be a professional is what we really preach. And what I, you know, enjoy saying to to the guys I recruit is, I want a guy that can be professional and start to learn to be professional because it's not – I wouldn't say that's how I was taught as a a player, but it was kind of – it was said before this type of environment has – has become a part of college football. So, you know, the film pretty much kind of speaks for itself, and we have some different things that I can talk about as far as how we can evaluate it and, and rank and doing all of those things. There's a lot of people that do that. And so kind of cumulatively score things, you can kind of get a decent idea of, hey, this kid is okay. Hey, this kid's not bad, you know. And so, you know, the academics for us is where it really sets itself apart. And, you know, if I know a kid I can see his, he has his grade points, average to above average you know i can have an idea you know depending on where i'm working that hey this kid's gonna be able to, to make it and survive and so the less headaches we can have as coaches is is the one things that i know most people want to have uh because our again you know us as coaches we choose the profession but i you know I my, my career is is based on what a 17 18 19 to you know now with the transfer portal and and covid haven't happened you know about 23 24 some 25 year olds with guys getting you know red shirts and everything else but right. you know nobody's really completely you know able to just i would say live on their own without messing up you know during that time and i know for myself i if i was just placed in a position to be responsible you know i you know i don't i don't know where i'd be um, but <laughs>
1: So it's so you talked about the evaluation process in right, the film and the so on. So I kind of wanted to get into that. So from you know, however it happens, the first time you're you're alerted to a player, right? Whether you're just scrolling through huddle clips some night or you're mm-hmm. out and about, and the high school coach says, "Hey, I, I got a kid. I think it could play for you." How, however that happens, right? Because there's rules on when you can actually talk to a student directly, right? based right. on their grade and i think it's something like the fall of their
2: junior year yeah so it's it's uh, dang. Uh, i can't remember the you know I'm, I'm blanking myself had a little bit of a, a longer morning this morning but uh yeah it, it should be the the going into their junior season so without having started the season they can we can start communicating with them so guys that are going into their senior years post junior season you know and it's it's I haven't been to the FBS level and I haven't really offered anybody past the year that I'm going to be, you know, it's going to be a senior anyway. But, you know, for me, just the evaluation of of, of guys now and really for, for most guys uh, with social media, Twitter, Facebook, you know, different things like that. But you, you said it yourself, you know, how do I specifically try and go about recruiting a guy? Um, I like to try and build the relationship with not the kid, the kids, you know, the recruit, the kid, you know, however you want to say it. He is a kid, so you know I'm not 19 years old. I'm I'm not the hippest person to to where they're at. I don't. I may or may not be able to associate with everything, but I want to be able to show that hey, I do care about you. You know, I want you to be successful. If you got mom and dad at home, or dad, or mom, or grandma, or aunt, aunt uncle, whatever it might be, your your background and stuff like that. However, you want to help them grow or or take care of them. In some cases, you know, I want to be able to say, hey, you know, I can I can do this for you. And I'm, I'm not saying I'm putting you in the league. I'm, I'm saying you, know, I'm giving you an opportunity to, you know, come to school, get an education that uh, is going to cost, cost you, you know, nothing or next to nothing. And so you're, you know, debt free and and you have the opportunity to go get a solid job, solid career. Yeah.
1: So so when you're looking at a player, what are you kind of trying to decide whether, hey, I, I think this guy could come play for me or you know what sort of things are you looking at other than like the film or you know how much stock do you put in measurables like hey this guy doesn't he's not big enough or he's he's not fast enough or or you know his high school coach thinks he's he's a knucklehead
2: well you know I think it's tough I like to typically talk to the to the coach hey coach position coach and I I like doing that simply because uh my first job You know, being at Montana Tech, we had a guy that was getting looked at by some NFL guys. And so scouts came through. I picked their mind on, hey, what makes you think this guy is talented other than his stats? And, you know, like you said, it height, weight, all those things kind of play a factor. But when you can go and say statistically he's doing this, um, it's kind of like baseball. You know, are you going to try and get the guy that hits 300 every year? Or are going to try and get the guy that hits 550, you know, for six months out of a year or or not for six months, but for, you know, six weeks and then goes on a slump and ends up being a 200 type hitter, you know, in, in baseball terms. And so for me, I want the guys that can be performing at a high, the highest level as to what I can see. For us specifically, we try and get multiple eyes on uh, the positions. And so it makes it a little bit easier to see things like that. And say, hey, this guy's, you know, bona fide somebody that we want.
1: Yeah. But then so then how does that work? Because we talked earlier about the, the area versus the position group. So like if your your guys' uh running backs coach comes back from Florida and says, Hey, I saw this kid, like does he kind of refer you to put you know and put you on this on this end from uh you know Orlando that he thinks could be a good addition, or how does that kind of dynamic
2: work? So so you know, like I said, we I've been on staffs that have done hey I got this kid I've talked to him here's his number give him a call and me as a position coach recruit him from there on Mm -hmm. or you know that coach and what we do here primarily is if he's in your area we try and that position coach because he's usually going to have more of the ties to the area than the kid and so we believe kind of more culturally coaches have more you know, leeway pool in kind of getting the kid recruited. And, you know, we like to say that we don't recruit bums. So um, because if we did, we wouldn't have a job. So, yeah. you know, basically we, we do it to where if that coach sees a defensive end and he likes him and, he, and, he, and everything and, you know, he checks out on grades and everything there. He'll send me his film and I'll kind of say, hey, yeah, I like him. I might have somebody different. Another coach might have sent me somebody you know, that that coach specifically doesn't know about. And I say, hey, I like him, but he's not my top one, two, five, you know, and that's kind of where recruiting boards and some other things go. You know, it's it's a, it's a mental gymnastics for me as far as saying, oh, I got this kid here and I got this kid there. You know, I'll talk to the coaches, you know, on the staff saying, hey, how do we feel about this guy? Do we think he would commit, you know, does he have – a bigger offer is somebody else going to come in and, and steal them from us because there's nothing worse or or no worse feeling in my opinion, as far as building that relationship and doing everything like that and seeing the Alabamas come in and go, Hey man, you got an offer, you know, it's like Hey man, I met your mom, your kid, <laughs> I yeah. met your mom, your dad, every you know, I met your mom, met your boys. I met everybody. So
1: is that is that part of your thought process? Like you look at a kid, you'd be like, man, I really like him as the player. He's got the grades and his coach, speak but I, I you know, I don't think we can get him because he's, you know, Auburn's going to swoop in or whatever. Like, is that ever part of it?
2: it? It's a little bit of it. You know, I think everybody's able to see some things in present day about guys that have gone kind of under, underlooked or overlooked, over and under evaluated as far as their abilities. You know, when those guys get offers like that. you know. I think there's the problem right now that I see is a lot of coaches are kind of uh, afraid to pull the trigger on some guys as far as giving offers, because with social media, like I said, it's great to see eyes and get eyes on guys. So I might see a kid and say, Hey, this kid's awesome. I think he can play for us. He's got the grades. He's got this. I'm going to submit that. Hey man, we want to give you an offer. Well, that goes on. And then here comes, X, Y, and Z in the SWAC and the MIAC and the wherever else. And, you know, in, in, in Alabama, uh, Sanford might offer, and then uh somebody else and so on and so forth. And it just keeps growing, which, you know, again, for the kid, that's awesome. You know, I, I, I can understand as a, as a, as a student athlete, you know, as somebody that wants to go as high as they can or play the highest level football as they can that, you know, that's, that's, the game, that's the business. And so right. know, it kind of goes back to what I like to talk to the kids about is like, Hey, I really think you're special. I think you're really good. You know, if these schools come in and they, they offer you just know who was first, you know what I'm saying? So right, uh, I've had that happen a couple of times in my career. And like I said, it's not the best feeling, but I know for me as a coach is, isn't it, you know, it's a, it's two things. I'm a coach. So I, I evaluate and I teach. So if I can evaluate and teach well, I'm going to have a job somewhere for as long as i want it and so to be able to evaluate a guy that might have not been as highly touted and give him that offer and then more schools and better schools start to come in it makes me feel good but it also is like you know wow you know hey man like we really want you um yeah i well, not to sound desperate but as, as young men we all wanted to date the hottest girl in school you know that's kind of how recruiting is you got to try and find the hottest date that is willing to go out with you, and and, and then just try and lock it in. Um, <laughs> and so, so, so to say that, you know, hey, we we want to be, you know, somebody that's interested in that person. But you know, there's there's some things that I see going on that's like, ah, like is this is this the best way to actually do this type of process? Uh, you know, I I can't say one way or the other because it's it's been. It's been it's been interesting because the rules are always seeming to change sometimes.
1: Yeah, there there have been some pretty significant rule changes that I think we'll get get into in a few minutes. But and then I think one last question before we take our break here: How much do you guys focus on in-state recruiting? Because at the FCS level, you don't have you know Alabama can offer eighty-five scholarships or, or carry eighty-five scholarship players per year. Alabama, A and M cannot you guys i think fcs is in the low
2: 60s right 63 if i'm correct okay but Um, but you guys can do partials correct so so for us and and to not drag this on too long as far as our breaks going in state we always want an in-state guy you know for us and and you know just do the count of fbs schools in that in that state and for like you were asking earlier a little bit about how i recruit Recruiting is really not difficult. You know, you, it takes Wikipedia and, and a want and a will to go, Hey, I know this County in Tennessee or Alabama or wherever it is. All I got to do is search X County, you know, and for here in AM, it's Madison County. So I can just go look and see Google has the answer. How many high schools in Madison County, Alabama, and it'll say, where's what, them. and right. and just, and just list them from there. And then it just becomes kind of the grunt work of, of coaching. But that being said, it's a it takes something for us to recruit guys because you know as you as you may or may not know there's A and M and Alabama State that are at the FCS level. There's Miles College, Tuskegee, and then we start talking about other FCSs: Sanford, North Al. You know, even West Alabama is a Division two school. Troy, uh, yeah, Troy, UAB, Troy, UAB, South, UAB Alabama. South Alabama. You got start getting to to the. P5s of Alabama, Auburn, you know, those types of things. So every state has its kind of different dynamics as far as the basis of every every school in the state wants to be somebody that brings in, you know, the most in-state talent, right? the most in-state. Yeah. You don't want to be just kind of selling your soul for, for guys that may or may not be, you know, from their state. And I think the big thing for a lot of guys is they want to be able to play in front of friends and family. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we do put a premium on guys that are in-state. But I know for us as as a HBCU and, and some things like that, there's really not too much difference in the type of playing. It's the off-the-field stuff that I think is awesome about AM that makes it different. And so for us, we want to make sure that the guy is interested in the culture and the aspects that AM has to offer as a historically black college that is a elite level engineering school and business and finance and some other things that it, it does really well that wants to come and have that experience as a student athlete here with football, you know? And so, you know, or are they just trying to go to, to North Alabama or South Alabama or UAB, University of Alabama, Auburn, wherever it might be, you know, we want to make sure that they fit, you know, not only who we are, but what we are as a, as an institution too right. so so
1: it's more about the actual full college experience at Alabama AM and versus just ball
2: right right because yeah. you know in, in and for those that don't know um there's time limits as far as what in season and out of season we can spend with with our players and so it's 40 hours during the during the week during the in season and 20 out of season and so you know you take 20 hours throughout a week you know, and, and weightlifting sessions, those things say weightlifting is probably
1: half of it, right?
2: Weightlifting is a big portion of it. So, you know, uh, I forget who said it, but I want to say one of the former Oregon coaches said it that, you know, I hired this strength and conditioning guy because he's the one that's going to be the best evaluator of how guys fit schematically for us because Mm -hmm. he's going to push them in the weight room probably harder than they're really going to get pushed on the field as, as players. But if we, if he doesn't do that, he felt that he's not going to be able to get the best out of his players, you know? And so those are the things that we all kind of evaluate and, and take into account as far as football is really only a short period of time in your day as a student athlete. Now it's, you know, for some it's, the old proverbial student athlete or athletic student, you know, right. And, you know, and, and nowadays I would say that we're getting towards a, an era of this is not necessarily pay for play, but you're getting to where guys are coming to schools pretty blatantly now for monetary gains. For the financial for the, aspect, yeah. Not not for the, for the education. And so we just hope that guys that don't graduate from here have the degrees that they have that pay them like they do because, you know, at some point that money tends to run out. You know, if you're, if you're not smart yeah. with it. So M- M- money does tend to do that. So M- mine
1: does anyway. Yeah, mine um, too. Mine too. It'll catch yeah. up to you. Speaking of money, uh, we are actually able to do this show without charging our listeners, any sort of subscription fee or anything that the show is free and it is free uh, because of our friends at the pig skin podcast network and DraftKings take care of those bills for us. So, Jason is not here, but through the magic of uh, audio technology, we're going to pretend like he is, and he's going to tell us about our friends at DraftKings real quick. Jason, take it away.
0: Hey guys, Jason Bailey at the South End Zone Pod here. All of you NBA fans need to get on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner in the NBA, because this week, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers get a no sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt in, and place a same-game parlay on an NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. Now, coming up, you got Dallas and San Antonio playing, and personally, i I know it's a huge line on San Antonio. They are a huge underdog, I think 13 and a half. I would personally lay the money on Dallas there. I think they're gonna wreck them. And if you wanna take Luca on an over on a prop bet for points, probably not a bad idea. He's averaging 33 a game and San Antonio's defense is trash. So that's what I would go with, but. To do any of that, you got to download the app now and sign up with code TPPN. That is the Big Skin Podcast Network acronym. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA, $200 in free bets instantly, only a drafting sportsbook and official betting partner of the NBA with code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply there. Boyd in Ohio, see our show notes for the details.
1: Thank you, Jason. I hope you're staying warm in Ohio. Listeners, we're back with uh, Coach Adam Goggins from te- uh, Alabama A&M. Gosh, I almost said Texas a and for like the third time. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we've been talking about recruiting and kind of the recruiting process and how college staffs go about it. And I want to shift from kind of the, the process to just sort of the overall state of, of recruiting. We kind of alluded to it before. From when you first started coaching in twenty sixteen or seventeen or whatever it was to now is is not the same animal. You know, there's been a lot of a lot of rule changes, and you know you can argue better product, worse product, um, you know harder, easier. The fact remains that that there's differences that are substantial. So one of them I wanted to talk to you about is the dreaded transfer portal. And it's really not so much the portal itself. It really, it's the rule change of immediate eligibility where you don't have to sit a year. So as an FCS school, how have the transfer portal and the, the transfer rule change affected you guys? Like Because my, my assumption would be you're worried more about keeping players that might be looking to go up to a group of five school or something, as opposed to maybe bringing players in through the portal. Is that – am I way off base or –
2: you, you're not you're not wrong. Um, I can remember. I want to say this might have been. I was still in high school, I believe. Vernon Adams was the was the player. He was the quarterback at Eastern Washington. Uh, having grown up on the West Coast, uh, I'm familiar with the FCS level of the biggest guy out there. Mm-hmm. And so he ended up grad transferring or transferring to Oregon. I, I remember some. I was I was you know riding with my dad somewhere, but uh, I remember the 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 sports station saying, "Well, this is going to start. Guys are going to go be able to graduate because at that time the only rule was is as soon as you graduate, you have immediate eligibility." So, as far as I'm concerned, the big thing that with the the NCA was trying to really do originally prior to transfer portal was say, "Hey, you guys are allowed to go wherever you like as long as you graduate." And that's where I think most schools were, "Okay, we can do that, you know, cuz we're going to say uh, we're producing you know, student athletes that, you know, the guys that are able to go play in the NFL or, or, or professionally in any sport are going to be a very small percentage. The way it's set up for most uh, Division One schools or just about all the Division One schools is as long as you follow the peg points throughout your career, you're going to make it to where it's hard not to graduate within four to five years. And so if you, you know, Back in my day, you would, if you redshirted, which most people did as freshmen, you're going to be there for five years, and so it's hard not to graduate. And that's that was the model for the most part that worked, I think, pretty efficiently. It became when you know, and, and it it is fair to say that, uh, and it was brought up that, well, coaches can leave at any time with no penalty, or if they committed these these violations somewhere else, right? What are they, you know? There's no penalty for them, but the school's getting hit. You know, I remember USC, right? Uh, Penn yeah, Penn State, P- Penn State, some other, you know, the old SMU being the death penalty, some other places like that. And that, w- whose fault is that? And so, you know, the the players that weren't being affected, or I'm sorry, the players that didn't do anything wrong, were the ones being affected the most, it seemed like. And so, overall, the transfer portal, I think, had good intentions. Um, I think it actually is a good thing because. There's no telling that I can't go get a job somewhere else and be, you know, saying, hey, such and such, you want to come with me? Well, you know, now you're immediately eligible or or, you know, different things like that. It's it's basically become more of a free market. Freedom of movement, I think, should be allowed, in my opinion, as far as the transfer transfer portal goes. But you don't really see. You see the handful of of guys that do go start at FCSs and then go up to FBSs. I think the real reach for us is prior to, and talking about recruiting prior to the transfer portal, in-state guys. I remember this in 2019 is we had a we had a couple guys that were in-state from the Birmingham, Mobile, Montgomery, and I think a guy from from Huntsville had some different offers to, and and this was just to walk on at. Troy, or somebody else, some other, you know, mid major power, you know, group of five type school that wasn't named Alabama or Auburn. And, you know, just to walk on, we're like, hey, we're trying to give you a scholarship. You want to go pay money out of your pocket. You know, granted, it is in state, so it's cheaper, but, you know, you're going to come out of here with no debt or no, you know, cost just to say that you played at this school or that you went to this school, not even that you played. Cause, you know, obviously there's no guarantee that you're going to play at those institutions. So, you know, that being, you know, the case, I think the transfer portal in its intentions was good. It's the legality and or the how do we make it so that guys are graduating on time or graduating and not just coming here to be athletes. And, and, you know, there's a couple, you know, litigation and and court cases that I try and pay attention to because it's going to start affecting us more as far as progress towards degree. Guys that transfer making it so that they're Classes transfer over, and that they're they are immediately eligible because AM is still a highly academic school. And so, somebody that comes in with a, a communications primary communications or a liberal studies with no real true identity of their program, there's only so many credits that we, we might be able to take, or they might have taken classes that we don't offer. And so, then those credits are kind of automatically not used. Or not yeah. able to be used.
1: Yeah, actually, now that you put it that way, I remember at the beginning of the season, uh, Florida A and M had right. had an issue where they had a whole rat. They had like two dozen guys who they hadn't been certified eligible because some of them were transfers, and then okay, what credits are going to count? Do they have enough? And and I think they went up to like North Carolina or NC State with like two thirds of their team.
2: Right, and so you know that's that. What you just brought up is is part of it. Is we get guys, and and it's it's. Uh, everybody listening, don't take this the wrong way. But it's sad because at several, you know, the lower levels don't just have the the money uh, that most FBSs do. And even some of the, you know, the Alabamas have different funding compared to the Auburns. The Auburns have different funding compared to the UABs. The UABs have. And so all these schools are working in the same state or the same area. Uh, and we we all might be trying to recruit the same kid, but we're all saying something. We have to say something different because our institution is different than what they're looking at. So we get a guy that can go here for this amount as a as a transfer or as a student. And, and it's just, we have to be sure and confident that, hey, they'll be eligible. And so we don't have the large groups that can say and check, hey, I know like with, Eighty-five to ninety percent certainty that he'll be certified eligible, and so in the in Florida A and M's case, that they had to kind of rush certification, and for the most part, certification is not always done in the spring; it's done prior to the fall season. So, right because you uh, you might have guys taking summer classes, taking classes yeah. and and everything like that still going on. So, certification is for for being a fall sport. I know several administrators can kind of dread summer because. Mm-hmm that's really when a lot of work gets done and it's not until the season starts or a couple of weeks in where they can kind of, okay, you know,
1: the big, right, and they the know the it's big, coming too all year. Yeah. They're like, Oh God, you know, mid August, that hammer's going to drop and I'm going to start right. getting
2: right. And, and and so for us, when we do look at transfers, we want to make sure that, you know, they're gonna, uh, we have several processes that go through looking at, will a majority of their credit hours transfer. If, is not quite what we want, are they going to be able to take what they can get in the spring and the summer? And really not the summer, because that's really pushing that needle, because it doesn't take anything but a, a D to make it so that the guy isn't eligible. And so we right. want to say, hey, if you can be within six to eight classes, four or five in the spring, maybe six in the spring and one or two in the summer, then we feel good about recruiting them. You know, and that it kind of goes about every which way for any any school with how they handle what their administration or what their admissions people accept for classes and so you know there's there's some different you know things you, that as a student athlete you know trying to be recruited or trying to transfer has to understand first it's not just hey I want to go anywhere you know and and you know I would say that having not looked into most big schools but I want to say most big schools have pretty relatively Ease of transition or transfer, you know, liberal studies or whatever it might be, classes, or they're taking so many credit hours during the course of their season, or you know, during the source course of a calendar year. That I've seen guys that, in, in, I'm sure you've been been able to pay attention that the the number of graduate transfers has almost jumped.
1: Yeah, it's completely
2: since 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 all that. So you know, in the long run, you know, like I said at the beginning, is that I enjoy being able to. See those guys walk across the, the uh, stage with the degree and hopefully one or two championship rings and, in you know, a, a bright future ahead of them, either athletically or uh, in the career field. And so it, I, I'm, I'm hesitant on saying which one I like better because you're really it's 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 a gray area. There's no white or black to it. Yeah. It's really kind of fluid. Yeah. So well. So the the transfer portal itself, and maybe I think
1: a lot of listeners don't understand. It, it, it's just a database, right? It's just kind of a, a centralized so database that guys go in. So as an assistant coach, how often, like now, right? When really the the kind of the bigger part of your job is is recruiting at this point in the year, like how many times a week are you checking in on that to see who's in there?
2: Uh. So you know, I remember as a GA right now we're getting ready to to start heading towards spring ball. So there's some other things that can be done. Um, But I remember checking it maybe once or twice a day.
1: Yeah. So I mean, it's
2: really something you got to kind of keep track of especially
1: now with so many guys going in,
2: not heavily checked on. Uh, I always kind of, what I would do is, you know, it shows you the date that the kids entered the transfer portal. And so I would just kind of go to that date and say, okay, from here to here. And I'd write down the last kid's name that's in there. And then I, Say, all right, here's my list. This is what I'm going to go through. Okay. So you're able to check like, okay, who's in there since I looked last. Right. And just keep track of it and say, okay, this is, this is who's who, because it goes again, like I said, by, by date. And so Mm -hmm. I, I kept track of it by date versus, uh, I remember when I first got access to it and started trying to coordinate like, oh, this kid went to Duke and this kid went to Houston and this kid went to Sac State or this kid went to wherever. You know, you, you get lost trying to just keep track of schools because some kids may or may not be from the same school or from same area. And, you know, you try and track a kid, well, he's from Georgia, he's from here, he's from there. You get, you get lost. If you just kind of keep it by the date, it kind of keeps things a little easier.
1: Yeah, and, and he might have only been at that school for a
2: year at that point and been somewhere else
1: before that. Right, right. But, um, so we're not quite out of the woods yet in terms of that free eligibility year in 2020. There's still guys kicking around on rosters all over the place who who are utilizing their free year from that season for mm-hmm. this year and maybe next. How how has that affected your guys in terms of roster management? Cause you so like Florida State, for example, well, they're done with the 23 class, right? And they're really kind of in the middle of working on their 2024 grads. And you guys at the FCS level are probably different where you're still maybe trying to fill out a 23 class and just starting to look at who you're going to go after for 24. How, you know, so the, the kind of the roster management and how far you're looking ahead changes by, by level and probably even by school to a certain degree. But how is that, that extra year? Cause not everyone's going to take it, right? Some guys are going to graduate and be like, okay. okay, you know what? I got this offer. I'm out.
2: And so, so, you know, the best kind of example I can say is we've had several kids, like I said, since I was here the first time. And then, you know, I I was gone for that fall of 21 season. Um, I was there for that spring of 21, wherever we played, you know, what would, should have been the 2020 season that they, they, you know, I think they do a good job of knowing what's best for them. And, uh, you know, I was trying to try and preach to my guys, too, is just a daily thing that don't be regretful. You know, if you're gonna do something, do something. You know, kind of wholeheartedly. That you know, hey, maybe I should have done something different, but I don't regret doing it. You know, and, and like I was saying kind of earlier, this well, what I always good, bad. Yeah, you learn from the bad and the good. You know, if you're not yeah. learning from something, learn from me. And so, like I said, with myself being having played college football, the best thing that I ever was told by a coach was, "Hey, man, are you here to here to party or here to here to get a degree?" And, uh, you know, it was, it was something that kind of, you know, it's yes, oh, ideally. <laughs> can I do both coach? <laughs> yeah. My thing as a, as, a, as a coach is I just want to be, you know, I'm not trying to be their buddy. I'm not trying to be their friend. I'm trying to be an assistant, you know, I'm trying to assist them and they're trying to assist me. You know, I, I it is a cooperative type of relationship that has to go on with coaching. Um, and so, you know, if, if I can trust you to do things right off the field, but I can't trust you to do things right on the field, that's no good. I can't, I, I just can't put you on the field. You know, If I can trust you to do things right on the field, but I can't trust you to do things right off the field, that's still no good. <laughs> you know, we got to yeah. be doing, doing good on both ends. And so, you know, we get, we, we try and make it so that guys see the, the path that will best uh, suit them. Not for whenever they turn 25 and they think they're old, you know, or, or, or you know, they're they're twenty one, twenty two and they have a eighty thousand dollar job waiting for them. And they're saying, well, coach, I, you know, I just I don't know. You know what we typically have, you know, access to to professional leagues and scouts and, you know, guys will say, hey, we want to talk to this guy. We want to see this guy. You know, we try and say, hey, you got to, It's a temporary shot. You know, you might be turning down eighty thousand dollars, but you might go earn yeah maybe you know, playing uh, your way into 950,000 as a as a as a as a as a camp guy or, or right. even you know uh, the best the best example I can say recently from from the HBCU standpoint is is James Houston you know he was able to go do what he did and, and coming down from an FBS to an FCS and performing and being on the practice squad and then he set himself up for a all pro pro bowl type year And mm-hmm. he, and you know I didn't get a see him in person coaching, but I, I watched the film and you know, that dude was a freak and yeah. you know, we try and preach like, Hey, if you, you, you just kind of know in the long run of, of, Hey, those guys have shots, you know, and, and opportunities. And again, a lot of kids that I have reaching out to me via social media or email or, or calling my call my office is Hey coach, I just want an opportunity. Well, you know, opportunities are very actually limited. It's going to be what, does that person take advantage of in their opportunity um, yeah. that, that wherever it might be, it might be with us, might be with somebody else. Yeah. All right. Uh, last
1: one between the transfer portal and Juco guys and high school guys, where just generally do you see the most focus on in terms of recruiting? Cause I've, I've seen a couple articles lately in the past few weeks about how the transfer portal has kind of hurt Juco players specifically because F, you know, and this is talking more about FBS teams being more likely to take a transfer than a JUCO player. But when you guys are trying to figure out, hey, who, who can we bring in? Are, are you more likely to pull a JUCO it, guy or a transfer versus a high school student?
2: I would say first for us specifically, it goes back to what the grade kind of evaluation stuff comes back. It's kind of twofold. We have several coaches on the staff that have, like myself, been all over and been in some different areas. We all have connections uh, and networks that we all can rely on and say, Hey, do you know this kid or do you, you know, what do you think of him? Do you know this head coach? Do you know his, this assistant coach? Do you know somebody that might've, you know, they played in week two of two years ago and might not know the kid, but knows of him, you know? And so for the, the biggest thing for us is kind of goes back to the academics, because if you can't make it academically, it's just, it's just not going to be, it doesn't matter. It, It doesn't. So, you know, there's some of those bigger schools that can, take that chance on a, on a junior college guy. You know, I think the, for, for most people probably listening to this being in the South, they're listening and thinking, Oh, you know, Cam Newton, Cam Newton, you know, left FBS went to junior college and then uh, went to, to Auburn and, and did what he did for a year. I see that less and less now where guys are going to junior college and then going to where they're going and being a starter and immediate impact player. Yeah. I will say from a junior college standpoint that it's you're going to get a group of guys that typically are talented. It's the game speed or the game knowledge that they might be trying to catch up on. Mm -hmm. And so some of that, like you said, the East Mississippis and some of the other schools and even in California, Fullerton college, there's some coaches that I call and say, Hey, like, what do you think of this kid? Or do you know of him? What do you think of his coaches? Cause you know, it goes back to what I try and, I've had a couple younger youth coaches reach out to me and say, hey, I want to be a college coach or I want to do this at high school. Well, what it takes is the fundamentals, you know, and you got to be able to teach and, and teach a guy to carry the ball, how he's supposed to carry the ball, you know, so he doesn't fumble, uh, how he tackles, how he tackles properly and safely so he doesn't hurt himself or hurt, hurt somebody else. And so being able to just understand the process of he's a good football player. Yes. He's good academically. Yes. He fits what we want. Yes. He fits our position need. He fits what the position coach. So there's multiple steps and and every school has a different idea of what's going to fit them. And, you know, some schools say, oh, well, it's our culture. It's our this. It's our that. They do things their way for a reason. Mm -hmm. And so every school has that reason, you know, why, uh, why they do what they do. You know, it's part of the fans, I guess, uh, uh, goal to kind of nitpick and say, "Well, we should do this, we should do that." Yeah, but you know, we also as as coaches are can can go zero and three and get fired real easily. You guys yeah. get to still go sit in the stands, so you know the armchair quarterback is always awesome to I, well, hear yeah. some days. Yeah, my job security
1: being a fan is much better than <laughs> than
2: yours. <laughs> right, right. But um, I had a coach that I worked for in the beginning that. You know, he always said uh, he, he in, a, in a staff meeting, he said, you guys know what fan stands, you know, is short for. And everybody's kind of like, well, what do you mean? like? He said, fans short for, for fanatic. I said, we're going to get some guy." He said, we're going to get some fans that don't know what they're talking about. And, mm-hmm. you know, every every group has the ones that you love to hate them when they like you and they love to hate you when they don't like you. You know, yeah. so all right. Well,
1: on that, and we kind of went up against the the time a little longer than I expected, but good stuff nonetheless. So, Coach, thanks again for coming on and providing your, taking the time and providing kind of the insight and your perspective on some of this and answering the questions. Listeners, you can find Coach Goggins at, uh, on Twitter, for instance, uh, at Coach A Goggins, G O G G A N S. And you can find us uh, at South End Zone Pod, like normal. But I think we're going to wrap up Uh, next week listeners we got another we actually have a high school coach uh, coming on to kind of give uh, his perspective on kind of the the process and what he sees uh from his from his angle so uh until next week uh, everybody stay safe and we'll talk to you later
0: thank you very much have a great day